This is the Comedy Kiosk podcast by Monday and Munoz. Please welcome Monday and Munoz. Hello and welcome to the Comedy Kiosk podcast in which we discuss news, opinions, and ideas about comedy. My name is Igor Monday, and with me is David Munoz. And today we will discuss a topic that we conveniently named stand-up dramedy. Yeah. Okay, this is your idea. You wanted to discuss this one. Where did it come from? Why the hell are we discussing this? It came from two things. It came from me a few months ago watching a YouTube video Mm -hmm. that questioned why has recent stand-up comedy turned more to like personal sad stories and how are comedians being more real and more vulnerable on stage and disclosing some kind of struggles with uh, family life, mental health, finances even, and stuff like this, rather than just like being the funny, witty ones. And more recently, after watching Bo Burnham's special, Inside, where he shows how his mental health slowly deteriorates. Deteriorates. Deteriorates, thank you. (laughs) During the the lockdown, during the pandemic. And kind of the, the discussion I've had with my girlfriend after watching it, is it real? Is it an act? Wait, wait, are we discussing the show or your girlfriend? Is she real? Oh, is it an act? It's mostly an act, to be honest. It's just, just me putting a, a, a sock puppet on and being like, Hello, Igor. Would you like to go on a date? Whatever works for you. Whatever keeps you happy. It's all about it's, mental it's, health. It's the same socket I used since I was a teenager. <laughs> oh, um, I want to know what you do with that sock. <laughs> she's, she's quite crispy. Uh, <laughs> anyways, and she's a she <laughs> Well, I... Okay, whatever. <laughs> it all started. So I had this sock I used mm-hmm. to wear. Yeah. And then there was a like a tiny hole appeared on the back of my heel. And, and I was it was like, a little bit too tempting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> that could be for my toe. Or, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. win-win. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on from the sock. So you're watching Bo Burnham's thing uh, on... Um, <laughs> Very subtle. Um, are you watching Bo Burnham's thing on uh, Netflix or whatever uh, with your your girlfriend? What was the conversation there with her? Well, the conversation is was is it real? Mm-hmm. And basically, is this a real mental image of a man who broke down during lockdown? What was or her perception it... and what was your perception on this? Well, the idea was I was I was saying I was convinced that it is an act because mm-hmm. I see him purely as a comedian and an actor and a writer and a producer so i think it was a very well written and acted out like piece Mm -hmm. right while she was under the opinion that yeah a part of it is an act and a part of it is just the struggles of a man who already publicly admitted he struggled with like panic attacks on stage with some kind of depression and things like this Uh, i do believe it's a little bit of both but what is what is really not special or what isn't i it's really hard for me to say you've seen it as well yeah yeah and what's your opinion what well i was gonna ask uh, i'm trying not to create spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it but when she saw the end if you remember what the ending is she, she, you guys had to have your answer then, right? Like you saw it and you went, oh, so that's what it is. Well, not necessarily because there are, there are like a couple of endings. Like there uh-huh. are a few places in the in the show where you kind of feel like this is the end, yeah. but then it isn't. Well, okay. But I mean the ending let's, ending, let's, like the, the final bit when he, let's you know. Do it, let's do it like this. Let's talk about the, the show. <laughs> and yeah. if anyone hasn't seen it, 
skip until well we'll write in this description when we stop talking about the yeah. netflix special inside by bo burnham yeah. so spoilers ahead until the moment we stop talking about the special right. right so there is a moment when he kind of breaks this lockdown goes outside yeah. right yeah, yeah and the this very is, end yeah no but this is not the very end this is maybe like 20 minutes before the end so he goes back, he gets uh-huh. so freaked out by the real world and the yeah, light yeah. and the stuff, and he tries to go back because now he I misses know, but this his is life. this all filled from the inside, right? No, 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 it's from the outside. Really? I and don't he remember. tries to go back, and the door yeah. is locked, and he can't go back I to that I thought that was the very anymore. end of the show. That's what happens at the very, very end. As far, no, no, no. As far as I remember, it's like, maybe I'm confusing it, but I think it's kind of, there is at but least But you can tell that it's on a stage. That's the whole point. Like when you're looking at it, it's like, that's not his real yard. That's a stage. No, that's his real yard. I mean, it was completely recorded at his home. Um, it's definitely his yard because really? he, yeah, yeah. Well, before he released it, I read. But it. like, there's cameras outside. Everything. I mean, obviously, it's fake. I mean, there is no way that was filmed on. Like the the when he starts, yes, it's it's basically him. And I love the the little trick that he does with. Well, not even a trick, but he's got the headlight and he's got the the globe, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It just shows that with the minimal amount of gadgets and stuff you can do so much if you got the creative mind for it and you just at that point i just wanted to applaud it actually i did i, I did start applauding him from the couch uh, in the living room while while watching it uh and my wife looked at me kind of oddly uh but at the same time recognized why i was applauding because i'm like that is genius so simple so easy bang brilliant and that you could believe that this is a guy who's just fiddling around and he's just created this and he's just using his um you know his phone camera maybe even and recording himself but when you get to the very end i mean that requires multiple cameras that requires professional lighting you just like even if he's doing it on his own it's not something you do spontaneously this is obviously very well scripted well yeah that's that's the point like i would say obvious yeah. idea is that 90% of that show is scripted and performed yeah. but there were some moments like where he's kind of directly he picks up the camera yeah, yeah. he kind of in the middle of the night like cries into the camera and stuff like this which were supposed to be kind of parts where you would think and and wonder was it real did he really like you know lost his mind at, at some points during yeah. those because i think it was shot during like nine months or something i mean he went from like clean shaven and short hair to like full jesus yeah you know during that time so yeah and it that, works and it works for him by the way bo if you, if you happen to be listening it's a good look i'm sure he's listening oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> she's still in that room he's just like i'm waiting for the reviews of those two guys in moscow yeah uh, yeah so i mean that's that's the thing i think well as far as i know and it was described on some website just before or just after uh, mm. the release that it was 100 uh, percent shot and and like scripted and and everything like set up the the props the the stage yeah. whatever by him of course like then he said all that footage for like editing and post-production and so on to to some team yeah. but all the all the thing the whole show was actually filmed in his guest house mm-hmm. and that is his it's not a stage it's his yard oh, okay. and stuff i mean it's quite possible that he ordered not like one camera but like three yeah, and yeah. set them up you know it's i mean Everything we've seen in that, everything we've seen in that special, it's possible to do. Like one person can set up. Oh yeah, no, that part I don't have any doubts about. But what what I'm saying is, like, if anyone thinks that oh, it's just raw footage that he was recording overnight and he just edited it and compiled it together to make a show, I think no. By the time you get to the end, you're like, oh yeah, this is scripted. Like he's planned every shot out, and a lot of it would have been filmed at later stage like maybe some of the snippets like you said maybe the crying bit thing some of the shots may have been stuff that he had recorded during but i think a lot of that would have been recorded over a, a period like it would have been done piece by piece even like i would suspect that maybe after a month or so he then 
even stuff he already had the stuff we see on stage is probably the second time or the third time or the fourth time or the fifth time he's recorded something like he rehearsed it practiced it and then recorded it and then maybe after a month he recorded another few bits and pieces and things like that and then he recorded again and maybe yeah it took a nine month process but i don't think it was filmed like intermittently like completely random and off the cuff no not definitely not random and i mean you can see by the yeah. level of preparation and the yeah. setup of the whole stage yeah. like writing performing the songs no of course he like practiced each song and each yeah. bit like a hundred times before he shot it right. but it was shot chronologically i mean you can see on him that like his hair is growing but he this didn't... is also what i mean maybe shot chronologically yes for the hair part but at the same time it could be a case of where he actually did six months of just goofing around coming up with ideas and he just experienced had the idea maybe for this show after four months then at six months started recording it and actually recorded it in a period of one month because your hair can grow a certain length or whatever so then maybe that's like a one or two month recording period and everything was recorded very like it wasn't recorded maybe during even the lockdown itself maybe lockdown has already come out a little bit but he was still hadn't finished so he was you know what I mean? Like a play based on your childhood or a movie based on, on something that happened to you 10 years ago and you act in it. And yeah, you do the hair and everything, but it's still 10 years after the fact. That's where my opinion that it's all 100% like scripted and performed mm. as an as a art piece yeah. came because obviously there was, I don't know which state that he, does he live in originally, but I think nowhere in the States there was a lockdown in terms of like you can't leave your home yeah, for yeah. like nine months. It was maybe three, four months in the beginning between like April and August or something last year. Mm. So obviously he would be able to socialize, to go out, to yeah. have some fresh air, to buy stuff he needs for recording. Yeah. But the whole thing is like scripted that way that he's kind of trapped in that room. Mm. But the idea is that he's not trapped because of the pandemic and so on, that he's trapped because of himself, like he's trapped because yeah, yeah. it's also a reflection of mental health and all yeah. these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but not to turn this episode into the dissection mm -hmm. of uh, Bo's special. Mm -hmm. The idea behind this is why do you think, so this is labeled as a comedy special, yeah. right? On Netflix it's labeled as a comedy special. Right. And this and, is what got you now thinking and yeah, why you want exactly. to discuss. And, and they're, they're of, of course, like he's a comedian primarily. Mm -hmm. And he started by writing funny songs at at his home, mm -hmm. and he's still writing funny songs now at his guest house, yeah. right? But some of them are really funny. Some of them are like just kind of light, light-hearted fun. Yeah, yeah. But some of them are quite deep and serious, and you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. basically, a lot of stand-up and comedy coming out in the last five, seven years mm -hmm. is uh, pretty heavy and pretty serious and pretty personal. You're uh, one of the comics you enjoy. Correct. Hannah Gatsby? Me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she with had Nanette. A, Nanette, yeah, mm -hmm. which was quite personal as well, yeah. and about yeah. how this whole performing and, and, and audience and so on like yeah. really influences, impacts her personally. And also about mental health. Also, I, it was all about mental health. I literally heard Batman's health, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I, she also talks about Batman's health. Yeah, I remember that part of Nanette. Well, because Joker just doesn't give up, you know. He just yeah. keeps unrelentingly attacking Batman. I mean, he doesn't have time to heal, really. Yeah, cool guy. I, yeah, it's it's important that someone finally addressed it in their comedy special, the Batman's health. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad, bad mental health, exactly. And this is something yeah. that we've seen more and more, like again recently. And this uh, YouTube clip that I that that actually started me thinking about this. It mentions that it kind of started appearing once comedians started. Well, people started perceiving comedians as real people. Mm. For example, after the death of Robin Williams, yeah, who okay. was a brilliant, funny guy. And then yeah. basically 
was really suffering on the inside, right? Struggling mm-hmm. with different forms of, again, mental uh, well, disorders. Well, he'd just been di- diagnosed with a with a basically a, a, a disease that was going to basically break his mind. It was going to deteriorate his brain, which is which was his most valued asset. You know, as a comedian, we're we're, we're not we're not getting on stage because of our looks or because of our wonderful six pack physique and abs. No, Igor, no, you're not. Um, so how dare you? Yeah, no. I, I dare, I dare, I do dare. Uh, but the thing is, for our most valued element, without it, we wouldn't be standing, we couldn't be standing comedians, is our minds. And this was the thing that Robin Williams was going to lose. And that was just absolutely unacceptable. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, okay, he's an example where yeah. basically he sped up the process, so to speak. Well, yeah. But obviously, a lot of comedians uh, struggle with different, not, I mean, uh, not just comedians, mm. again, entertainers, performers. Uh, you know, this uh, kind of story, anecdote, whatever it is. I don't know where it's originally from, but I remember it from the movie Watchmen uh-huh. about the clown. The, sorry, what? About the clown, no. So basically, there was. Uh, have you seen the movie Watchmen? Yeah, a long time ago. Right. So there is. And I've this, read the comics. Yeah. So there is this bit about the about the clown. So basically, in short, if someone hasn't seen it, I'll retell it. I'm pretty sure people are mostly familiar with it, but just so you are as well, so we can continue this conversation. Yeah. Right. So basically, a guy comes to a doctor uh-huh. and says, "Doctor, like I'm super depressed." I'm uh, sad constantly. I can't live with myself and I'm yeah. having suicidal thoughts. Can you help me? Can you like recommend, prescribe something, right? And the doctor says, I don't know. There is no medicine that can help you really. But you know what? Laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. And I can recommend there is a great circus in town tonight and they have a clown Pagliacci or something he's mm-hmm. hilarious go and see him he'll make you laugh and the guy says I am the clown Pagliacci yeah. so that's the point like right yeah, like yeah. Co- especially comedians since the job is to make people happy make people laugh make who's people... making us happy god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it is it is a real question I mean because yeah. in the many professions right you don't really even need to I mean, actors act, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it's written, he'll act. Surprised, shocked, sad, happy, he'll act. Yeah. Uh, singers, of course, that comes with a lot of emotion, for example, music, right? Yeah. And a lot of like physical also condition and health and to be able to hit the notes and, I don't know, jump around on stage for two hours during a live performance and stuff. But I think for stand-up mm-hmm. and for comedy in general, especially for stand-up, since you're alone on that mm-hmm. stage versus the whole room you yep. give out energy you entertain people you make people laugh but at the end of the day you leave that show and sometimes you leave it happy mm-hmm. full of energy again because you got it from that room and yeah. you fulfilled your mission so to speak you achieved your goal you made them laugh you made them entertain and sometimes you feel so drained so yeah. empty so tired especially even if even after a good show especially yeah. after a hard show but even after a good show yeah uh, sometimes so, yeah, yeah it's hard I, to guess which one you're gonna have whether you're gonna finish off feeling great or finish off feeling like regardless yeah but we're going into mental health now <laughs> we just realized the topic is slightly changing but the the point is to go back to the dramedy thing you were saying before that since robin williams you know it's become more about talking personally on stage i actually would say he maybe was uh, something that exacerbated 
this perception. But I would say it came way we'll, before. We will put subtitles on this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, all the words that David uses that nobody understands will be will be described and deciphered in the in the description yeah maybe the... hopefully somewhere in between us the point is though that um i think this is from way back i mean we were discussing this before where was it so when someone uh in the old days vaudeville you know and all that sort of period of time and afterwards the beginning of stand-up it was just guys getting up telling very standard jokes knock knock jokes and you know, that sort of style right and it wasn't really about a personal life it wasn't a reflection of you and it wasn't until later and i would say probably richard Pryor really came along with this idea of i'm going to talk about my personal life what it's like to be a black man in america um the the trials and tribulations and the fact that i grew up in in a brothel literally my mother is you know was a prostitute all that sort of stuff so um you know it, and we were we were like fascinated that's why he became one of the greats all of a sudden, because it was like, wow, it's a confessional style of comedy. And since then, it's become very popular. I mean, you know, we want to know the comedian in a way and, you know, feel like there's a buddy-buddy relationship. Because the whole point is a lot of times with this whole performing on stage, it's about authenticity, as I say in quotation marks, where being your authentic self. And part of that is taking you who you are as a real person and doing like a stage version of it. I mean, Christopher Titus, another comedian that I really like, his stuff is pretty much all confessional. It's all of life stories, you know, sort of thing that he's making and his personal experiences. Even observational is, is from your perspective. So, but yeah, there's it's been an influence. I think the Robin Williams one, I don't know if I agree that's actually... I don't think it started it. Might have exacerbated it a bit. But I think even before Robin Williams, there were, I can't remember if Nanette happened before or after, to be honest. No, definitely after. I think maybe yeah. it's 2018, 19, 18, let's say. Yeah. I think uh, Robin Williams died in 2015. 14 maybe 14, yeah. 14. Some years before that. But no, I mean, it was in my first year. I think it might have been my first or second year in Russia. So that was 2013 or 2014. Oh, it was my first year of school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, well, yeah. Comedians talking about their personal life. Yeah. is not exactly, I think, the same as comedians confessing mm -hmm. some kind of issues and, and problems and, and struggles that they have. Because personal life, you know, yeah. like, I mean, I mean, there are so many types of comedy and stand-up in particular, yeah. right? Where you have a person like Dimitri Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, have you seen maybe his special If? No. It's, it's very, it's both super personal and super what would be the opposite of personal like, distant yeah distant basically because it is it is about language it's about words it's many like silly one-liners his whole thing is one-liners so it's like yeah. you know about nothing it's not really your uh, like one-liners are based on on a twist on a mm -hmm. whatever it's not about any opinion observation anything but then there is also like it's kind of it's it's I, I recommend it as well it used to be on youtube i think it got taken down but maybe somewhere it's still available dimitri martin if it's also very philosophical very personal and kind of you get a very strong insight into his mind on yeah. on how like he's such a perfectionist and such a person that pushes and challenges challenges himself and what he did kind of constantly during his life to to push himself further and mm. things like this uh but in general if you look at his other his netflix shows it's just yeah. one hour of one-liners there is nothing personal you don't get any idea who dimitri martin as a person is yeah. or uh jimmy carr or whatever but yeah. there are comics who just talk about their like i mean louis ck talks about his wife and kids mm -hmm. the bill burr talks and about masturbation his... a lot too 
He doesn't talk about that. He just, he just does it. He just shows you. No, apparently he, he did talk about it. And now people are like, hmm. So that's why he talked about it quite a bit. Why would he? Why foreshadowing. Would, it's called he, foreshadowing. Right? Like, why would I tell you if I can show you? That's yeah. the whole, you know, that, that was, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that was the pickup line. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyways. Yeah. So I think since some kind of 70s, 80s, as you mentioned, yeah. comics started talking about their personal lives and, and their struggles in particular their struggles and yeah, stuff yeah but also struggles i think when we talk about struggles kind of kind of struggles that eddie murphy or chris rock talked about as well you know like as an african-american yeah. these kind of things dave Chappelle a lot mm -hmm. uh, these kind of things again i think it's like personal experiences and mm -hmm. just stories of what happened to them but yeah. i think recently in the last five seven years we had this and this this is i think the difference it's not just this is what happened to me. Mm -hmm. It's also this is how I felt when this happened to me. And this is who I am when I'm not here on stage entertaining you. Yeah. Like a lot of people talk about, I can't remember now exactly who this is, but it's, uh, and I cannot remember ex exactly who this is. I'll explain why. But it's a well-known comic. So maybe in 2016 or something, this comic released a special. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a showing of the special in one of the bars where we used to do shows. So there was a showing of the special. And then after that, there was our English open mic. So I came there a bit late to the last like kind of 20 minutes of the show. Mm -hmm. And basically I walked in and like he did a joke. Audience left. And then he said, this is a joke I always wanted to do in front of my father. Sadly, I never had a chance because he died just before I released this special. And then he goes into a 15-20 minute bit mm -hmm. about how he never really connected to his father. He knew that his father is terminally ill. Mm -hmm. He couldn't make time in his like touring performing schedule to go and visit his father. And at the end, he died before saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. And he goes really into this like deep emotional story about the relationship between him and his father, how much it hurt him now not to be able to, to show this to him and that he sacrificed his parent for stand-up and all this kind of stuff and then in the last maybe like five seven minutes he brings it back yeah. he makes it like a yeah. big funny thing in the end and that's the end of the show and since i walked into this like sad bit yeah. right maybe five seven minutes into this sad bit i'm like aren't weren't we supposed to watch stand-up today like what is what is this ted talk about a dead <laughs> father you yeah. know because there was no joke there he was just yeah. sharing he was but just... he was following the formula he was following the formula. Now, the thing is, I remember when I started listening to the Comedian's Comedian podcast by Stuart Goldsmith. Podcast? Podcast, yes. Uh, it was, uh, I, which I recommend. Um, it's interesting. But I noticed like he mentioning a few times and him and other comedians talking about the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, talking about the formula of a set and them all saying that you know, in the beginning you start punchy, you kind of introduce who you are, you get the audience to trust you. Then you go into some stories and things like that, that kind of further embellishes upon this, some funny stuff, you get them to laugh. Then at the 40 minute mark, and literally they were like, the 40 minute mark, or maybe a little bit before, like around the 40 minute mark, you do the sad story. This is part of the whole thing. You, you then have built up this trust to the point where they allow you to tell a sad story. The problem is that you came in without that trust. You walked in and were just like, fuck off, I didn't pay for this shit. I paid for you to make me laugh. The thing is, he'd already made everyone else laugh that they were now going, okay, you can now make us cry a little bit. We're going to be okay with this. We trust you because we know that you're good. You're going to bring us back up, back with a laugh. 
And that's what he did. So, because the whole thing is about building that tension and it's about building the biggest tension you can after you've built all this trust to break that trench, the tension and then come in with the laugh. That's the point. He literally followed a formula apparently. And since listening to that podcast and heard it mentioned a few times, I've now heard it in other podcasts and I've heard it in other people where talk, people talk about that 40 minute, like if you do a one hour special, the 40 minute sad part, like the 40 minute struggle part, the show that you overcame something because then that's how you connect with the audience. The audience connects with you and they walk away with the, oh, I so know this person. Yeah, I get I get the reasoning, I get the the concept mm-hmm. because I think it's a very powerful tool. Yeah. Because emotion is not like laughter is not a standalone emotion. Yeah. So yeah. mix it with a little bit of sadness, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of humanity, yeah. right? Yeah. And you will get a much bigger laughter because mm-hmm. now people are not only laughing at a silly one liner, they're they're like laughing with their friend because now they know you you know what i mean like when you when you watch a movie when you watch a funny movie alone yeah like the funniest movie in the world you watch it alone you do a little bit of (laughs) when you watch a group of friends you laugh out loud because now you share that laughter with your friends and i think it's kind of it's contagious and it multiplies it builds on each other yeah. yeah but this is this is a kind of the the pack watching so when you have a group of people mm-hmm. but i'm saying also you are more relaxed you're more comfortable mm-hmm. you're more ready to show off your funny laugh you're like bursting out laughing in when you're with friends and when you kind of all so i think that's one of the reasons why this format exists is to get people on kind of to get to know you as a person yeah yeah. so i'm not just a, a joke machine mm-hmm. i'm a person mm-hmm. so if you see me as a person you will appreciate how funny I am and, and what I have to say even more and you laugh even more. Yeah, and, and the thing is there's there's actually another element. Like even outside of comedy, it's about building that personal connection because that's how you build a fan. That's how you build somebody who is going to then follow your career afterwards. It's the same thing as for example, there was um because my wife was, you know, she's an artist and she has an artist page and stuff like that that she's trying to promote and get people to buy her art. And when she was looking at Instagram and you know how to build a following, how to do all that sort of stuff. And they Sorry, my, my girlfriend is also an artist. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good. If, so we married artists. If we're doing uh, well, shame- I married an artist. He's still trying to marry an artist. Um, Listen, if we're doing shameless plugs, yeah. I'm all up for that. Cool. So, <laughs> so the point is that when she was looking at the Instagram, they were basically like, even for things like modeling or whatever, they're like, include some personal pictures. You know what I mean? Like, not just pictures of you, you know, in a bikini on the beach, like, or in a studio doing professional shoots, every so often post a picture that is personal, that is unscripted in a way. Like, you know, it shows. Of course, they're scripted anyway, but the idea is by showing that glimpse of that person's personal side, they you create a stronger connection with your audience. And that was like, so when she was like, oh, so I don't just have to, you know, post my paintings, I now have to also post a picture of me, for example, working on the painting or me at this location having a glass of wine like i'm a real human and that's the stit it's breaking that thing of the performer to the real human and kind of connecting them together forms a stronger bond with the audience because the audience feels better connected with you and it's all kind of part of that trick it's part of that it's a tool as you said before it is an absolute tool where, which sounds horrible because it's like, so this comedian used his dead dad as a tool in order to get more fans. Um, but a, in a way, an absolute tool. An absolute tool. But in a way, it's very true. I'm, I'm curious. I have one question I want to ask before. The comedian, American or British? American. American. Definitely American. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with this. And I think it's a very good point. 
And that's why at this point, I want to take a selfie of us recording this podcast uh-huh. that we can later publish mm-hmm. on one of our social media accounts or somewhere yep. to prove the point that if you people know who we are, how we look, how we record this and so on, you will like us more. Yeah, so I, I, I legit agree with this. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a strategy of yeah. creating a show. I think several factors input into this. One is that kind of just doing jokes for an hour and now specials are an hour mostly like 50 to 60 minutes they used to be like hour and a half Mm. two hours even like you would get two dvds like an hour each if you buy a specials uh comedian special and stuff like back in the day when people bought dvds Mm -hmm. now with this mass consumption and netflix pumping out specials they're kind of like 50 55 minutes and that's it but uh yeah like just doing one hour 20 minutes of pure jokes Mm -hmm. i think it's much harder than doing 30, 40 minutes of jokes and 20 minutes listening to my sob story. And yeah. I think also some kind of programs and shows such as like X Factor, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent and stuff, they kind of pushed for this for this yeah. structure yeah. because they're like, oh, you're a singer. Nah, get the fuck out. Oh, you're a singer and you served in Iraq and you lost a leg, you win. Like, you know, you have to have right. a sob story. You have to have a like, struggle. A struggle. You, you have, have to overcome. To have... We want a hero. Yeah, exactly. I want a hero. <laughs> okay, Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> is it? I think you might be right. Yeah, I think it is Bonnie Tyler. Bang on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, great hair. Great hair. Uh, Bonnie Tyler. Would, great hair. Wouldn't know. Okay. Uh, never met him. Uh, oh. oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Oh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a part of that, that, that yeah. people people want to see that you are also a person and want to relate, want mm-hmm. to connect, want to even maybe hang out, be friends with and yeah. stuff like this more than they just want, again, a joke machine, a laugh yeah. machine, something that's going to produce yeah. jokes. Because also, I think, and again, why in the last five, seven, ten years, I think it's more prominent because we have jokes now, like everything is a joke. Like yeah. whatever happens in the world <laughs> in 10 minutes, it's a meme on, yeah. on Reddit and on Instagram. Yeah. Like I, I, I learn a lot of my news Mm-hmm. through memes yeah. right i see a meme like this plane crash would never have happened if the pilot wasn't doing this and there is a funny photo right and i'm yeah. like plane crash what plane crash yeah. then i see that oh my god the plane crashed like in in somewhere in mongolia yeah. right so that's how i learn about the world through jokes basically mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. people have so much jokes now entertainment Every... yeah say, yeah exactly and and everyone everyone has a camera Everyone has internet. Everyone has YouTube. There is there are so many sets, like amateur sets, professional sets, personally produced specials on YouTube. There mm-hmm. is so much stand-up, so much comedy that just having jokes, yeah. I guess, is not enough. Now you have to be a person too. Yeah, okay. So now this brings to the next section, which is kind of the original point we were going to discuss until we kind of renamed it Dramedy. Um, authenticity. How... Because the whole thing is, I remember listening a lot to a lot of comedians when they talk about being your authentic self on stage. But now we were just discussing that there is literally a formula. There is literally a strategy on how to get your fans. There's, it's, it's all planned. There is an idea behind this. So everyone's talking about their authentic selves and trying to be as authentic as they can. So basically the idea is for a lot of comedians, not for all, but I would say for a majority of comedians, the idea is the person that you see on stage is sort of like a hyper-real version of you off stage. Like it's elements of you, some parts dialed up, some parts dialed down. Maybe it's your shadow self, the side that you never really get to show to the public, um, sort of like your, your Mr. Hyde or whatever. Um, for other people, it's their, their natural self and it's just pumped up a bit more. 
Uh, and for other people, they're just trying to be as real as possible, as close to trying to rebuild that. I know I'm funny at a party, for example, like we were discussing the other day about being funny and learning and whatever. The I'm funny in a party. I'm hilarious. Now I just want to get to that level, but on stage. and I'll, But I want to have the exact same persona and you know the real me. But then how authentic is it if we're planning it? Well, that's, I think that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to be more authentic by showing their true colors. They're like, you know, coming out of their shell and being like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not just an act. Yeah. I'm not just a performer. I'm not just a comedian. I'm also a real human being. But no, it is an act. But it is an act. And it, maybe it isn't an act. I mean, it really but depends. But it's not an act. <laughs> but it's, maybe it isn't an act. I think it really depends like person to person, comic to comic, because yeah. often it is an act. I mean, often it's a character. It's not even yeah. like, it's not even real you, you know, it's a mask, it's makeup, it's a, I don't know, But it's one that's based on your face. It's the makeup you already, so you have your, your surface face and then you have, what well, the surface mask over the real face. I would say it's not like silicon or, or wax or uh, clay being put on your face. You have your surface face. Yeah. I mean, you do, but I'm saying that you can or cannot show your inner face to people, right? They're, your your outer face, your real face, like your you know physical appearance, mm -hmm. everyone always sees. Or you can camouflage it with some, again, like mask, costume, something, you know, be a mm -hmm. character, right? But will you show your your insights to the audience or not? your real self. But I think this is where part of that dramedy thing is coming in, is that is the attempt to kind of say, look, look, it's, it's, it's not fake. This is the real me. Yeah. So that's, that's the... But the, it's planned. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Love me. The real me. How I want it. <laughs> yeah. How I planned it. How I planned it. The way I want you to see me. Yeah. See the real me the way I want to present myself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So basically, we're full of shit. I think at the end, the conclusion here, we realize that everything is... You're being manipulated, listener. You're being manipulated. It is all an act. It's a show. You're being suckered in. One is born every minute and you're one of them. Nothing is real. Comedy <laughs> is fake. Yeah, I, I think this this might be the reason for this tendency that comedians feel that they should offer more and they should offer yeah. some kind of personal touch and a, and a sprinkle of individuality and also being a relatable human being with their struggles, with their mental health problems, with their like... Which is why there are so life. many mental health jokes and things like that. Yeah, and I mean, this is also part <sighs> of that clip that I originally talked about that comedians are now talking about mental health their own in general and so on so not and about other like real issues so it's not just cracking jokes mm. it's like a like a like a political view on some things almost or social view and so on so i would say that's the reason and to conclude i will say first in my opinion and then i would ask you to, to tell me what you think mm -hmm. do you approve or do you like or do you agree with this tendency in in current stand-up development that it's becoming more because and it's also it's not only stand-up i can't remember when was the last time i watched a comedy if we talk about movies yeah like a comedy uh -huh. like a comedy like right. uh, we had i don't know what you mean like, like we had comedies you know like uh like whatever 40 year old virgin or something like a comedy now yeah but even that actually that was gonna be my example judd apatow uh, I, I looked at his masterclass, right, that, that he has on the masterclass website and things, and I, and I did it. And as he pointed out, and I think a lot of comedians now, it's become sort of like the, the way to do it. It's like, he said, he doesn't write a comedy. He doesn't write comedy because I write dramas. Then I put comedy on top of it. 
Yeah. He's like, the whole point is any one of my movies, you take away the jokes and it's still a good movie. It's now just a drama. And it's like in a real comedy. The whole point is, you know, the, the original saying. So uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? That's it, really. At the end of the day, people are just being a bit more blatant about it. And now it's become formulaic to an extent in the sense of at the 40 minute mark, bring that tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's with with uh, Apatow take away the the comedy. It's it's still a good movie. Yeah. I would argue that some of them are not good movies even with the comedy <laughs> in it. But most of them are like properly yeah. funny, like proper funny movies. But I mean, and then we had something like Twenty One Jump Street and some other like action comedies. Yeah, yeah. And now in the last like ten years, it's all like dramedy. It's like a sad story with several funny scenes, yeah. or something like superhero movie with funny scenes, funny banter. Because it's banter. real life. Yeah. So the whole point is that like, real life is a mix. It's not pure comedy. It's not pure drama. And even the, in the most tragic moments, people make say funny things. Actually, a lot of times that's when you say you're funny as shit because it's that tension that you need to break. So I think yeah. So yeah, my my conclusion is that. I honestly, and as we keep coming back to this, circulating back to this like conclusion of mine, that I do think that stand-up comedy is purely entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's a show, mm-hmm. and it should be based on making people laugh, making mm-hmm. people happy, making people feel good after they leave that bar, theater, whatever it is, stadium, wherever you're performing, you know, like TV show, uh, mm-hmm. Netflix, whatever it is. So I feel that... I mean, I'm not saying never talk about your health issues, mental health issues, or pretend to be someone you're not. No, definitely be genuine, be yeah. honest, be open. But I think like sob stories in stand-up are just getting that like, you know, cheap, cheap vote. You know yeah. what I mean? Like in those X Factor and stuff, shows where you're like, yeah, I'm a mediocre, I don't know, magician, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, my dad left me now when I was three. I'm like, well, then you had way more time to become a proper magician. You know, like, <laughs> your dad disappeared. Why can't you? So, like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what I'm saying. I think... Abracadabra, it, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. Poof. So, I think, you know, that uh, a stand-up comedy, it's called comedy for a reason. Uh-huh. I think it has a specific purpose, and it should have a specific way of delivering this purpose. Definitely show some personality, definitely talk about your real life, share your struggles. But you can also do that on your YouTube channel, on an interview, on a, yeah. like not during the show, but yeah. during you being a person. Mm-hmm. Like actors, they act in a movie, they don't sprinkle their own little bit of individuality. No, they, they act the script. The, but then we also know, have mm-hmm. like, we have Tom Cruise, the actor, and we have Tom Cruise, the person who can talk about his life and his problems and his religion and his whatever off screen on talk shows, on blogs, on Instagram, yeah, yeah. on whatever. So I think like more of that, less like on stage mm-hmm. bitching. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so basically in conclusion, stop your bitching. That's, that, that's, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Crack some jokes, motherfuckers. All right, so my, my, my conclusion then uh, is going to, to simply be, um, I kind of, I, I agree with you and I disagree with you. Uh, so I think it is is okay to bring your personal life. Uh, I think, yeah, it creates that greater bond. You just got to be good at it. You, you don't, I think if your sole purpose is to, oh, I'm doing this to, like we were joking before, manipulate the audience, you know, really get into the light because, you know, this is the way it's done. Don't do it then. You know, it's, it, 
only do it if it is authentic for you. Like you have a reason to tell this story. You have a point or a message to get across. And, and don't think like for example, there's there's two stories I could easily two two things in my life that I could easily talk about that I think would be very unique, um, would be a different perspective, and I think people would be fascinated to hear about. But Sorry, I'm not one, ready to do it. One of them is, uh, I know one of them, do I? Possibly, yeah. But the thing is, um, I'm not ready to do it for starters. Oh, uh, I'll do it. <laughs> Can I do it? <laughs> no, but I'm saving it up, maybe. Uh, but the point is that one, as I say, tragedy in time. So it's like for one of them, I would say, yeah, there's been enough time. I'm, I'm fine. I could crack jokes about it. The other one, mm, probably still not. The first one, uh, I would say... I could do it and I think it actually would be a good thing and I could set up as a role model thing. So I have it where I part of me has thought maybe I should start like doing it. But then I'm like, okay, but if I'm going to do it, it has got to be damn good. And there's got to be a point to it. Like otherwise, no. So my thing is if you're going to do that, I otherwise you end up with basically pay limitations and it's just like you said, it comes out shitty and you just won't feel like telling the person to stop their bitching. So it's like I, I say that but I think that's just like a fad or something maybe that we're going through at the moment. Maybe for the last twenty years or so or thirty years. But maybe in time things will change, who knows? But so, yeah, so overall I'm like, you can't do it, but just make sure you do it well. It's the same as like people say, Can you make jokes about taboo topics? Of course you can. But if you're not doing it well, people are not going to like it and they're going to hate, hate you for it. That's probably one of the reasons why I haven't done those two different topics is for the simple fact that I don't think I'm good enough at it yet. So don't fake it, be genuine and yeah. be like, do it properly. Yeah, don't half-ass do it, it. Yeah. Don't do it for the for the, the hook, for the yeah. whatever, the exposure exactly. for people to be like, oh, do it properly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't be an arrogant dick about it and go, oh, they must hear my story. No. No, we don't. Really, there's a thousand one people telling the exact same story. Let's let's finish each episode with uh, me saying stop stop your bitching and yep. you saying don't be an arrogant dick. Yeah, and then let the people. Oh, let's start each episode with this. <laughs> yeah, and let yeah, people yeah. figure out what the what the topic is going to be. <laughs> All right, so let's finish right here. I yep. think we've covered everything we wanted in this episode. Thank you so mm -hmm. much for listening. I've been Igor Monday, and I'm David Munoz, and we will see you and hear you next time. Goodbye. Ciao.